This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. The Parsha, the Parsha is B'chukot Tai. The Parsha is B'chukot The last Parsha in the book of Vayikra. And you know that the end of uh, the parasha, the last pasuk, which is really a repetition of another pasuk, but the last pasuk in parashat Pechukotai is Eile HaMitzvot Asher Tziva Hashem et Mosheel B'nei Yisrael Bahar Sinai. It's a kind of summarizing pasuk. The kind of pasuk that you would write if you were writing the Torah at the end at the end of the Torah. And in fact, if you consider it, you would agree that the parasha of B'chukotai is really the end of the Torah. It's just that an unfortunate event happened to B'nai Yisrael which enabled the Torah to continue for Bamidbar and Devarim. And that unfortunate event is called, we call it the Chet HaMeraglim. The Miraglim went to Eretz Israel, and somehow they decided that it was not for them, that they didn't want to go on. And so as a result, the sojourn in the desert was extended for 38 more years. But it's possible to imagine that had there not been a Chet Miraglim, that at the end of the parasha of Bechukotai, they'd be on their way to Eretz Yisrael. And so that the last thing that is in the Torah, that's the parasha of Bechukotai, that is in the Torah, Shalom, that is in the Torah on the eve of going into Eretz Yisrael, is what we call a brit, an agreement a covenant, right? All those words are used. But instead of using those words, I would like to kind of summarize what I think a covenant is before we learn the pasuk that we are primarily interested in. A covenant is an agreement. It's agreement between God and B'nai Yisrael. Now, this is not the first covenant between God and B'nai Yisrael. I mean, Abraham Avinu, we know about his covenant, and Yitzchak and Yaakov, as we will see. And then there is no doubt that Har Sinai represents some sort of an agreement. I mean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to B'nai Yisrael, do you want the Torah? They said, Naseh. And finally they said, Naseh v'nishma. Naseh v'nishma is an agreement are the part of B'nai Yisrael. And God promised, God promised, that they would be, B'nai Yisrael would be a skulah, they would be a treasure for HaKadosh. There would be a special status that B'nai Yisrael had. So all of those are covenants, but they pale beside the agreement in the parasha of Bechukotai. The parasha of Bechukotai is the agreement after the agreement. Everybody knows what mitzvot are. 
everybody knows what Torah is. The parasha of Bechukotai explains to Bnei Yisrael what the issue is. And what's the issue? That if you keep the Torah and the mitzvot, good things will happen to you. And if you don't think keep the Torah and the mitzvot, bad things are going to happen to you. Not regular bad, but extraordinarily bad. And the Torah understanding the psychology, human psychology, takes the pain to detail all of these terrible bad things that are going to happen. And the detail goes on for pasuk after pasuk in the parsha of, uh, of the Chukotai. These details are so daunting that there's a minhag that we follow, that many Jews follow in the Beit HaKnesset, when you read the parish of Bichukotai, the person who, of course, has the honor of reading it, usually it's whichever, whoever the Balkore is, reads it very quietly. As though, by reading it quietly, he diminishes the possibility of it actually taking place. I mean, I don't know, you could all explain it in whatever way you wish, but that is a very common Minhag, even though of course it contradicts all reasonableness, as any student in yeshiva can explain in a minute. I mean, after all, it's the Torah. It's not some secret addendum to the Torah. It's not something that we can kind of do away with without uh, by by being quiet about it. It's not like that at all. In fact, the minhag is that the person who gets the aliyah. The person who's called to the Torah to read the Torah of that of the of the uh, covenant, right? The the Brit is the Balkore himself, because it would be a bad omen to call up somebody at random from the community to uh, um, to be the one who reads that Aliyah. It would not be considered a kavod. It would be sort of like. A voodoo kind of thing, you know. If you if you read it, you might get it. So, but the minhag sticks. In other words, the the impression or the verses of the Chukotai are so difficult for us to fathom or even to hear that we carry out this minhag. The Balkari reads it very quietly. We have to strain to keep up, even though you know that there's an obligation to listen to Kriyata Torah. And why should anybody make it more difficult? And also the minhag that is followed in many shuls is that the, uh, the Balkore gets the aliyah. If the Balkore is a Kohen, something that could happen, so they try to find somebody in the shul who's at least a hundred years old and will probably not be adversely affected by, the, uh, by, by reading this uh, parasha in the Torah. So that the Chukotai had an effect on us. And the effect that it has on us is that we're able to consider punishment. It's not like God said to us, there'll be a punishment. Okay, we know God is big and strong and can do a, a, a terrific job, but the parasha of the Chukotai said, and this is the punishment, and this is the punishment, and there's more punishment there, more punishment there, and it's quite, it's quite remarkable. Now, this, of course... This, of course, created a situation um, 
that was psychologically damaging to B'nai Yisrael. And Lulei the Mistafina, that's what you say when you're going to say something that maybe you shouldn't say. But you want to say it, so you say it. You know, it's like a code. Lulei the Mistafina, I would say. You know that in the beginning of Dvarim, in the beginning of Dvarim, the, the book of Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu berates B'nai Yisrael about all the sins that they did in the desert. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu in our vote, Moab, he's about to go, we're about to go into Eretz Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu goes through the litany of all the sins and, and crimes that were committed by B'nai Yisrael during the years in the desert. So the Ramban, the Ramban says, I don't get it. Here B'nai Yisrael called upon to go into Eretz Yisrael and to act Bigvura, right, in a mighty way. They have to go to war. They have to... And, and what is Moshe Rabbeinu telling them? Remember, you stumbled here and you stumbled there and you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And the Rabban says, that's the wrong thing to say when people are about to undertake a major obligation. What you could say is, you're going to do it, you're going to make it, you know, like, like you know, the coxswain in those boats skulls, they call them skulls, you know, like, like he's just got to keep everybody moving. He's not going to say, hey, you, number three, you messed up yesterday, you're going to mess up today. I mean, you don't expect him to say that. You said to say, hey, we're the greatest, we're going to do it. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu, what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? The Ramban says, you have to understand, Moshe Rabbeinu was not insulting B'nai Yisrael or trying to make them feel incompetent. But Moshe Rabbeinu would say to B'nai Yisrael, the Ramban, this is what the Ramban says, is, look, you know, you really messed up in the desert. You did everything wrong that you could imagine. And yet, God is still with you. That's what, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. He wasn't giving them Musa. He was trying to explain something about the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael, which derives, which derives, of course, from the covenant. Because the covenant, besides being the text that explains to us what happens if we mess up, it's also a text that explains to us that it's an agreement between God and B'nai Yisrael, and therefore it is reasonable to say that when God enters into an agreement, it's not conditional. Only when men or women go into an agreement with each other could there be a condition. If you pay on time, you pay your rent on time. So you can keep renting. If you don't pay your rent on time, you're out. That's, that's a reasonable agreement. But if God enters an agreement with Am Yisrael, the fact that the agreement is between God and Am Yisrael, that itself means it's never going to change. Yes, there are going to be ups and downs. Yes, there are going to be punishments. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, and yes, and yes. But agreement with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is different. And that's why, I mean, we have to explain it when we get there, but the second covenant, which is the Parashat Kitavo, comes before Nitzavim. At the beginning of Nitzavim, the Parashat of Nitzavim, Yitzatem, Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to an Esau, you're standing here. You're all standing here. What do you mean you're standing here? Of course they're standing there. They didn't sit in those days. They came to a meeting. They stood. That's not what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. He's saying you have to understand that this situation of B'nai Yisrael standing before God is immutable. You can't stand before God conditionally. 
Ain't about Chazeh. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. That's what the Ramban said at the beginning of Bami, of Bamidbar, of Devarim. I'm sorry, the beginning of Devarim. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu says at the end of Devarim. So the first aspect of a Brit is, it has conditions. If you do good, it'll be good. If you do bad, it'll be bad. In this case, it'll be very bad. The second element of a Brit, the second element of a Brit with God, is that you have to know that the actual covenant, the enter, in, entering into this agreement, is something that remains forever. It can't be undone. I mean, you can, you can sin, you can get the worst of punishments, you can be kicked out of Eretz Yisrael, you can go into a day, an insufferable diaspora, but you'll always remain in the agreement. The agreement, an agreement with God, cannot be abrogated cannot really be abrogated. And we know we have something to say about that. So that's the parish of the Fukotai. So in everything there is the sad part. That the punishment for transgressing is severe. But on the other hand, there's like the hopeful side to the parasha of, uh, of the Fukotai. And that is that there's a covenant. A covenant, a brit, is something optimistic. It's an optimistic thing because when you enter into an agreement with God, you're entering into the agreement forever. Now, at the end of the parsha, at the end of the of the covenant, if you look at the sheet, at the end of the covenant, at the end of this agreement, the end of the details of the agreement, uh, on the sheet you have pasuk uh, membet. If I just look, just one second. After, at the end, at the end of this, this list of punishments that B'nai Yisrael will be receiving, like in, at the end, you will be lost amongst the nations, and you will be consumed by the foreign land that you're in, and those who are left will be destroyed by their uh, transgressions, so this is like, like a general statement. The end is terrible. It'll be ugly and sad. You'll find that God is not always available. God is sometimes there and is not always there. Sometimes you turn to God and there doesn't seem to be a response. That's the carry. So at the end, at the end they'll, they'll give in. The people will give in. They'll understand there's no other possibility. Hence then, the Zacharti, that's the passage that we're interested in. The Zacharti and Briti Yaakov. So we have that word Zacharti. The word Zacharti is always a strange word. Right? What it means Zacharti? What does God remember? Memory is something that is human. It's not divine. God never forgets. What does God remember? What is the memory that is being pointed to here? 
וזכרת את בריתי יעקב ואת בריתי יצחק ואת בריתי אברהם אזכור והארץ אזכור. This פסוק, there are two questions that every parashan had to deal with. The first question is, why are the avot listed backwards? Eskor. I mean, besides the question of Zacharti, right? There's another two questions. With Zacharti et Briti Yaakov, the covenant of Yaakov, and the covenant of Yitzchok, and then the covenant of Abraham. Why are they backwards? And the second question, which relates to the first is, and so what does the Zacharti have to do with the covenants that were made to individuals? Wasn't there a covenant made already with B'nai Yisrael at Har Sinai, as we said? Why did Nakodesh Baruch Hu or this covenant, the covenant of the Chukotai, the Zacharti? At the end of history, God remembers the covenant, and then everything will be all right. And then there's this little addition here, the Ha'aretz Eskor. The Ha'aretz Eskor. Now what does that mean? God remembers Aretz. God remembers In any event, there's no doubt that this patsuk, that this patsuk is difficult and demands some sort of interpretation. When you look at Rashi, Rashi comes up with a, one of the strangest interpretations he has ever offered us his Talmidim. Right? We are all Talmidim of Rashi. We all learn the Chumash with Rashi. So what does Rashi say? Rashi says, you see, Rashi, the Zacharti and Briti Yaakov, right? He says, V'chamisha mikomot v'chtav maleh. Now this, Rashi is copying this from a little-known Medrash. A little-known Medrash, which is here on page 2. You see Medrash Chatserot V'yiterot on the top of the page. There's a Medrash that's called Chaserot v'yiterot. Chaserot refers to spelling. How you spell words in Hebrew. And you all know that sometimes you can spell them with a vav and sometimes without a vav. The same word. Doesn't make any difference. Very often. So what is the Medrash talking about? Look at the page 2 of the Medrash. Chazavarachar. Kol Yaakov Chaser. The name Yaakov is written many times in the Tanakh, and it's always written Chaser, Yud, Ayin, Kuf, Bet, right? Yaakov, Chaser, without a book, Bar Min Hay, except for five examples. They call Eliyahu Ketiv Bivav, and Eliyahu, his name is, right, Eliyahu Navi, his name is Eliyahu, and in the Tanakh, you look all in the Tanakh, you'll see it's always written with a vav at the end, bar, min, hey, except for five examples. Okay? You see the examples? You look back on page one. So page one, you see the examples? Yaakov Malay, our pasuk. Right? You see it? There's a vav after the kuf. Kuf, vav, bet. The second pasuk is in Yirmiyahu. Shav Shavut Aleya Yaakov. Again, Avav. The third example, another pasuk in Yirmiyahu. Gamzera Yaakov David Avdi Emas Yaakov 
spelled that way. Another pasuk in Yirmiyahu, V'shav Yaakov, V'shakat, V'shanan, V'ein Macharit. Again, Yud, Ayin, Kuf, Vav, Bet. The last example, Yirmiyahu, Perk, Dun, Aleph, Locha Eile, Chelek, Yaakov. Yaakov with the Vav. So how many examples are there of Yaakov with the Vav? Five examples. Just as the Medjur said, the Medjur didn't tell us what they were, but we had to, we could look it up. We looked for it, and we found it. Right now, what's the other side? That the name Eliyahu appears five times without the final Vav. Without the final Vav. Lachem Bet Perik Aleph, Eliyahu Tishmi. Right? The second example in Pasuk Dalit, Eliyah, Pasuk Chet, Eliyah Tishbi, Pasuk Yudbet, Eliyah, Vayani Eliyah, Eliyah, Vayidabar Lehem. And for the last Pasuk is the Pasuk in Malachi, the famous Pasuk, Hinei Anochi Sholeif Achem et Eliyah Hanavi, Lifnebo Yom Hashem Agadol Vanorah. So, there are five times. We find five times Yaakov with a Vav. Our Pasuk is one of them. And five times Eliyah instead of Eliyahu. Right? So now if you look back at the Medrash on page two, the Medrash continues. And the Medrash says, Lama, how come? Lelametcha sheliyahu babigoel zera Yaakov. So the Medjur says that the most important of the five Sukkim about Eliyahu is the last one, the positive Malachi, which says that Eliyahu is the harbinger of, of redemption, of Geulah, of return to Eretz Yisrael. And the reason that Yaakov is spelled with Azav is because somehow to remind me of the of the job that Eliyahu Anavi is going to do in bringing B'nai Yisrael back to Eretz Yisrael. So now let's look at Rashi. Rashi has his own way of saying all of this. Right? You see Rashi? Bechamisha mikomot nechtav malay. Eliyahu chaseh bechamisha mikomot. That's the same as the Medrash. Yaakov natal ot mishmo shel Eliyahu eiravon. Of course, you see, even though the source is clearly the source that we read, Rashi, Rashi's presentation is totally different. In other words, what did we think that these psukim in Bukhukotai were telling us? They're telling us that the punishment will be severe, it will be oppressive, but eventually, B'nai Yisrael will see the light. And when they see the light, they will be able to repent. And when they repent, they will come back to Eretz Yisrael. That's what we thought. The way Rashi explains it to us, after the diaspora, and after the punishment, and after the attempted repentance, Yaakov Avinu, who spent a lot of time in Chutz Laaretz, and knew about the dangers of living in a, in a non-Jewish kind of world, Yaakov Avinu was not certain. He was not certain that B'nai Yisrael would be able to pull themselves up alone. 
So what he did was, he, he captured the vav of Eliyahu. And that was in order to make sure that Eliyahu would show up to get it back. And Yaakov was able to say, you want your vav back? You want your vav back? Help, help the people. Get my people out of the diaspora. Be the harbinger of, of, of the return. So it's true. It should not say how this works exactly, you know, all this magic with Eliyahu and the Vav and, the, and Yaakov, but we understand that the underlying premise of this interpretation is that there's something missing. That after all the warning and all the punishment and all the disaster and all the, the, the disease that befalls Am Yisrael, don't be so sure that they're willing to come back on their own. Yaakov Avinu is the one who knew about the diaspora, who didn't want to go to Egypt, who tried to prevent his, even though he knew, he knew that they would have to go to Egypt. He knew that. He knew that Avinu Avinu was promised by God that the day Israel would be enslaved in Egypt, and yet Yaakov Avinu said, no, I don't want to go. And on his deathbed, Yaakov Avinu said to his son Yosef and his other sons, bury me in Eretz Yisrael. Bury me in Eretz Yisrael because he wanted the pool to be there. He didn't want anybody to come up with this interesting idea that you could actually live in Egypt, that you could be like the Egyptians. That was Yaakov Avinu. So there's a story in the story. And the story in the story is that Yaakov Avinu wanted to have a kind of an edge like he wanted to make sure that B'nai Yisrael, that B'nai Yisrael would in fact come back to Eretz Yisrael. Would in fact come back to Eretz Yisrael. So that's what... That's the first thing that Rashi said. The second thing that Rashi said, the Zacharit B'riti Yaakov, you see the Rashi? Zacharit B'riti Yaakov, Lama Nimnu Avod Acharanit. How come the Pasuk says Yaakov, Yitzchak, Abraham instead of in the way they were born? Even Yaakov, the youngest, is worthy of this. And if for some reason Yaakov can't do it by himself, so Yitzchak will come and help him. Yitzchak and Yaakov together are not enough to get the Jews out of out of their terrible state. Abraham Avinu will come and help them. And so Rashi points up to points out another problem. Zechira, right? You see the pasuk, Zacharti Yaakov. And then it says Vatid Briti Yitzchak, and then it says. So the word Zion appears for Yaakov and appears for Abraham, but is missing for Yitzchak. Right? We're just reading the Pasuk. So what does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? Lama lo How come the Pasuk doesn't use the verb Zion Kaf Reish with Yitzchak? But you know, there is this theme in Chazal that even though Yitzchak was not sacrificed, but ultimately the, the Afar, the, the, 
Efer, right after he died, was collected and placed near the near the altar in heaven. So that that the words the Shirah, which means I remembered something that I could forget, but I wasn't paying attention to it. You always pay attention. God always paid attention to to Yitzchak. So again, Rashi says, Rashi points out that the intention of the Fasuk is that Yaakov plays a primary role. It's Yaakov who saves the Jews from the diaspora. How does Yaakov, uh, it's only if Yaakov not successful that we have to use the power of Yitzchak and then of Abraham. But if Yaakov is successful, how will he be successful? He's going to get Eliyahu Anavi to come and uh, proclaim uh, to proclaim that the that the galut that the diaspora is over and that we should all move in the direction of Eretz Yisrael. I want to just uh, make sure that you know. You see, the second uh, the second um, uh, source on the page is Targum Unculus. You see Targum Unculus. I will remember the agreement with Yaakov. So this is a literal translation, word for word, into Aramaic, of the Pasuk. But look at the second Targum, the Targum Yonatan, the one to the left of it. To the left of it says, Vatkar Berachamim. Yat kiyama de kiyamit im Yaakov bevet eres. What's rachamim? What is rachamim? You know what rachamim is Aramaic? Love. Most of you think it's the same as Hebrew, but generally the word rachamim in Aramaic means love. And so the translation of the Targum Yonatan is Vatkava rachamim. I remember Yaakov, God says. I remember. With love. What do you mean with love? It seems to me that what the Targum is saying that even if they don't deserve to be redeemed, even if the redemption, if their, their behavior is faulty in some way, they will be redeemed nonetheless because of the love. So you have at the end of the parasha of the, of the agreement in Bechukotai a statement that says that B'nai Yisrael will be redeemed in any event. Rashi finds it in the spelling of the word Yaakov, which reminds us all of Eliyahu Navi. The Targum says it's love, and love is something extra, it goes beyond, it's, it's, it's not din, it's not what you really deserve, but it's more than what you really deserve, and that's what, uh, that's what the Pasuk says. I would like to uh, just show you something about Eliyahu Navi. You look at the second page at the Mishnah. Right? The Mishnah, Masechet Eduyot. Eduyot, you know, it's a... Uh, it doesn't matter. Omar Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Yoshua said, Mikubal Adi mi Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai Sheshama mi Rabbo Rabbo mi Rabbo Halachala Moshe Mishinah. I, I learned this from my rebellion. Halachala Moshe Misinai means just that. It's something that Moshe Rabbeinu learned when he was on Mount Sinai. It may not be written explicitly in the Torah, but it's something that Moshe Rabbeinu taught. So it's like the Torah. 
It's like Torah. And what was that? She'ein Eliyahu ba. We're reading a Mishnah, right? You can't, you can't always tell because it all looks the same. We're reading a Mishnah. A Mishnah, Mishnah means those are the oldest sources that we have is in the Mishnah. The oldest, the, the oldest information that we have. I mean, there are little examples, but, you know, a big corpus of information, that's the oldest and primary information that the Jewish people have. So the Mishnah says, She'ein Eliyahu That you know that this tradition that Eliyahu Navi is going to show up before the full redemption of Am Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael. He says, I want you to know that Eliyahu Navi is not coming L'taher or L'tamei or L'tamei or L'taher. What does that mean? That if you rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, so, of course, you have very string, stringent rules of Tuman Tahara. So, who's going to tell you who's Tameh and who's not Tameh? Who kept the rules? Who didn't keep the rules? So, that's not Eliyahu Navi. He didn't come to do that. Lerachek uh, To say these people are not Jewish, and these people are Jewish, that's not his job either. Ela Lerachek there was this difficulty that Am Yisrael had that the Kuhuna and the Beit HaMikdash fell under the provenance of uh, mafia-type characters. So there were people who were Mikoravim Bizroah. Everybody knew they didn't deserve to be Kohanim or to work in the Beit HaMikdash. But the mafia, the Zroa guys, they brought them in. And similarly, there were people who should have been in the Beit HaMikdash who were pushed out because they were, uh, uh, they were too honest, they were too straight, they were too simple-minded in a way. So again, the mafia guys pushed them out. So he, he says, that's what Eliyahu Navi is going to do. He's going to push away those people who should not be close to the Beit HaMikdash and he should bring in those people who should be in the Beit HaMikdash. Mishpachat Beit Tzurifah the Mishnah goes and gives an example. A family called Tzurifah, the Tzurifah family, Haitab Eva They lived far away. And there was another, another guy whose name was Ben Sion, who was one of the agents of the mafia, and he pushed them out. He wouldn't let them come to the Beit HaMikdash. There was some other family that was brought in, right, you know, was, didn't deserve to be brought in, was brought in, Kigon Elu. Eliyahu ba So these are the people that Eliyahu Navi is going to deal with. So what impression do you have? That Eliyahu Navi was a powerful, is a powerful idea. Eliyahu Navi is going to take the bent, the bent Beit HaMikdash and to straighten it out. Going to make it what it should be. Then Rabbi Huda Omer Lekarev Another opinion that says that no, Eliyahu Navi 
brings in the people who should be brought in, but he doesn't push anybody out. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Lashvot HaMachloket, they, that Eliyahu and Avi would be able to kind of make peace amongst the different opinions. Chachamim Omrim, that Eliyahu and Avi's job is not to put people in, to take people out, that a Kodesh Baruch Hu can deal with. That's something that will be dealt with by a Kodesh Baruch Hu, but la'asot shalom ba'olam sh'ne'emar hinani sholech l'chevet Eliyahu anavi v'gomer v'yishiv le'vavot al-banim v'le'vanim al-avotam. So you see that in the Mishnah, which was the first, the thing that was written, or at least part of the Mishnah was written after the Churban Beit HaMikdash, part of it before, part of it after, but it's, that's the, the time that we're talking about. They see Eliyahu Navi as being a primary savior and being able to straighten things out. And so much so that he was even able to bring Shalom, Shalom La'olam. So it's not surprising, according to the other Midrash, that Yaakov Avinu wanted Eliyahu Navi to come and to be in charge of redemption. He wanted the, uh, or the Torah wanted, or, or, or Yaakov Avinu wanted. In any event, it makes sense. The Perish HaMishnah, the Rambam, if you look at the, name, the last source on the page, Lo Nishmami Moshe Lashon Zeh, Ele Nishmami Menu HaInyan. Now, if Moshe Rebbe didn't say, you say, Halakha Lavosh, you see that, it's not that Moshe Rebbe said these words in the Mishnah, but something similar. The Fish of Moshe Odiya Biata Mashiach, before Resh Patorah. It was Moshe Rebbeinu told us that the Mashiach will come. Where did Moshe Rebbeinu tell us that the Mashiach will come? This is the Rambam. I'm reading the Rambam. Right, the Rambam, you remember, was an intellectual. According to Time magazine, he was a great intellectual. I mean, he wasn't like carried away by strange ideas. He's mainstream. The Rambam is always mainstream. So the Rambam says, it's, it's clearly stated in the Torah. All of those sukim guarantee that we're going to do tshuva. We're going to return to Eretz Yisrael. All of them. He says, Similarly, similarly, just like God promised that everything will turn out all right, so God also promised that there'll be a representative of heaven who's going to make sure that it turns out all right. Well, and that person, Eliyahu Nabi, see the Rambam has to editorialize a little. Remember the Rambam lived in a place, or moved around a lot, but he was a lot of time in a Muslim country, or in a Muslim world, and part of the time in a Christian world. So the Rambam said, this Eliyahu Nabi, Shatoa Ish lo Yosif lo the job of Eliyahu Nazi is to achieve purity of action in B'nai Yisrael, but they're not going to change anything. They're not going to change anything in the Torah, right? So the Rambam says, so, so, so this guy, who they say is the Messiah, is not, because he changed something in the Torah. And that guy, who they say is, is not, because he also wanted to change the, the Torah. So that's a 
that's a prerequisite to being Eliyahu Nabi, to being the harbinger of Gula, that you are defending the Torah, protecting it, and not abusing it. It says, uh, Nobody disagrees in all the years until me. No one disagrees. In other words, what he's saying is that the Mishnah does not say that there's a machloket about what has to be done. The machloket is what Eliyahu Navi is going to do. But certainly, the people who are Tahorim should be encouraged. The people who are Tanayim should be sent away. The people who got in uh, illegally have to be treated. But it may be that Eliyahu Navi will not see that as his job. He's not going to do that. So that Eliyahu Navi, Eliyahu Navi, the Rambam stresses, represents the Torah. Eliyahu Navi represents the Torah. We know that there were these characters who were like that. Ezra Sofer, when they came back to Eretz Yisrael, he was the great defender of the, of the Torah, even though he also was in charge of rebuilding the Bikdash, the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah similarly, Nehemiah did not uh, affect any of the, uh, of the rules of the Torah. They didn't say that, uh, let's stop doing this or stop doing that, because we found a better way, which was the argument of, uh, of Christianity. So we see, we see that Eliyahu Navi has an independent life, independent of this pasuk that we are learning, in which Eliyahu Navi is called upon through the agency of the Kiv Malay, of the, of the name of Yaakov, Eliyahu Navi is called upon to make sure that the covenant ends as it should, that the result is going to be the covenant between Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. One last word I would say about this pasuk is that Ha'aretz uh, Eskor, right? The last two words in the pasuk, Ha'aretz Eskor. So you know the word Zachor, when it applies to HaKadosh Baruch applies to HaKadosh Baruch has to be explained in a special way. Ha'aretz Eskor Noach. God remembered Noach in the Teva. What did God remember? God put Noah in the Teva. So after all those days of draining around, you know, in the, like the boat up and down and all the upset stomachs and, 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 and people vomiting over the side, suddenly God remembered Noah. I mean, what does that mean? What might it mean? What might it mean? It means that a new beginning. That's why he's called. When God says, when we say in the Torah about God, we mean a new beginning. So when we say in Eicha, Zechor Hashem Mehayalanu, we say Zechor Hashem Mehayalanu, and nobody says, let's start again. Let's start again. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make any sense. We did the Averis. We deserve to be punished. Zechor Hashem Mehayalanu. Let's start over again. Like, just like, uh, Noach. The Ha'aret is called. The Ha'aret is called meaning I, HaKadosh Baruch will instruct the Aret that there's a new beginning. What's the new beginning? 
So the Ramban explains on the Pasuk, he says, you know why the Jews, the Jews were kicked out of Eretz Yisrael? There's a difference between punishment and being kicked out of Eretz Yisrael. After all, the Jews could have been punished severely and stayed in Eretz Yisrael. Why wasn't that the scenario? So the Chumash says, that the land cannot bear Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael city. It's simply not a shidduch. It can't be that you're going to live in Eretz Yisrael and not fulfill the rules of the Torah. So the Ha'aretz says, it says, no, HaKadosh Baruch says, I know that this mercy that they have is applied to the situation by HaKadosh Baruch That doesn't exist for the Aretz. The Aretz is neither merciful, nor not merciful. It cannot abide. Am Yisrael sinning. That's the Aretz. So I think that the Pshad is the Aretz is called. It's as though HaKadosh Baruch says to them, will instruct the land that there's a new beginning. That the land should forget about the difficulties of the past. That the land, who is a player in this kind of setup, Eretz Yisrael, a nasovelet, doesn't can't bear the uh, the sins of Am Yisrael. So the pasuk says that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, then at the end of the Tosaf, Hakadosh Baruch said to Bnei Yisrael, "Rizacharti, Rizacharti, Rizacharti." Or the second one, "No Zacharti." It doesn't matter. We know the reason for that. Ra'aretz etzkor. Etzkor meaning, I will force the land to remember. To remember meaning, a new beginning. Like with Noah and Zechor Hashem Ha'yalanu Megillat Echa. Have a good Shabbos. Next week, the year will be about Shavuot.